how safe is my money? If I can't see it and I can't touch it, how, how am I able to, to get access to it? Why do people typically look at gold at times like this? The biggest question that we're asked at the moment is with all of this uncertainty, with all of this unpredictability, with everything changing from day to day, what on earth do I do? What do I do with my money? Why now is a good time to investigate gold as a potential investment asset to hedge against the financial uncertainty. Welcome to the latest episode of the Uncharted Territory podcast with myself, Dan Asin Gregory, and my co-host, Sam X. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Josh Shaw, who is uh, a... Uh, the CEO of the Pure Gold Company. He's got over 15 years experience in precious metals, including three years as the head of trading at the largest precious metals company in the United States. And he's been interviewed by many luminaries in the financial world, and we're delighted to have him with us here today. And this is such an important topic, and many of our audience have been asking for us to cover um, the, the issue of gold and precious metals and, and, and why these are important right now, Sam. So do you want to tell us a little bit about why this conversation is so important? Yeah, it's a really important conversation that we've wanted to have for a while. And it's great to have uh, Josh on with us today. And, and we're going to have a community event next week with his team, which is great. We'll talk about more. But there are more and more people waking up to the problems with the fiat system. And I'm sure as Josh will, I'm sure he'll assert this you know, in his own experience that there's a whole new tranche of people, a whole new sort of class of people who aren't typically, you know, old school investors who, who are used to diversifying the different asset classes. So many of them would be very used to just having their wealth stored in, in you know, fiat currency and in cash or in the banks. But with what's happened in the last few years, there's many more people waking up to the problems with that. And the good side of it is waking up the problems with the fiat system, you know, in, in, in all its in all in, in all its um, and all the problems that go with it. And also the potentiality of the move towards the central bank digital currencies, which is another fiat reboot, but with even more issues about control from from the state and uh, and intermediaries. So. I think that's what's important here. People are looking at sovereignty, ways to store their wealth. But why it's so important is that we want to get grounded, good conversation around this topic, because what's happened so often is that when people are new to something, they can jump out of a frying pan and into a fire. And we've we've talked about it already, Dan, when we talk about things like Bitcoin, people are keen to investigate that, but they need to get beyond the hyperbole, the scams, the clickbait, get to really good grounded info so that if they are going to make those moves, they can do it in an empowered state. Because leaving an asset class for another one, when you're not really clear about what you've got involved with, is, I'd argue, not an improvement in your situation necessarily. So getting educated first is what we're really passionate about, getting beyond the noise. And that's why I'm really excited to have this discussion with, uh, with Josh today and, and, and go deeper into the, you know, both the gold market, the pros and cons, and also practicalities. So um, really important. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it. Absolutely. And we'll be sharing how you can find out more about Josh's company, the Pure Gold Company, throughout this episode. And if you'd like to go deeper on this subject, we have an event coming up on um, Wednesday, the 8th of November. If you would like to register for that, you can go to weareelevate.org forward slash NFR gold. Now, let's get into the conversation. Josh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. As Sam mentioned, you know, we're in a time of financial uncertainty. Inflation is high. Uh, tell us a little bit about why, why do people look at why do people typically look at gold at times like this? No. I wanted to thank you for having me onto the show. Um, I'm honoured and privileged um, to to be here and discuss such an important subject. Um, and so the question you ask is, you know, why why is this so prevalent? Why is it so important? And I guess if I had to kind of surmise it in one answer, it's down to safety and security. Um, gold has a track record of outperforming inflation, um, protecting and preserving people's wealth during uncertainty. 
And so, you know, if we expand upon that, I guess the question is, we've got safety, we've got security, we've got protection from inflation. What are we protecting ourselves from? And so, you know, there are the foreseeables, the predictables, you know, we are likely to see inflation again. And so, you know, inflation right now, regardless of what you choose to take into account as the measure of inflation, it's certainly higher than any return you can get on the money in your bank, right? Or, or, or the money, you know, from, you know, a low risk bond. And so inflation is a huge driver, inflation you can predict. You've got rising interest rates. Again, you know, this has happened before. Rising interest rates uh, pushes up the cost of debt, which pushes up potentially the, the likelihood of people not being able to pay their mortgage, which therefore affects the property market. Um, you've got recessions, um, equity crashes. These are cyclical. By their nature, they tend to happen every 10 years or so. So within reason, you know, we can't we, we can predict that they're going to happen. Yes, we might not know exactly when, but we know at some point we're going to see a correction in those markets. What we can't predict are the unknown unknowns, the black swan events. And, you know, what I'm referring to here is the likes of, you know, Brexit referendum. Um, then actually, you know, us departing from the EU, you know, COVID, a pandemic, you know, all of the other consequences that flew from, that resulted from that. And then, of course, you know, the current and ongoing war that we're seeing right now in the Middle East. You know, these are things that you can't necessarily predict, but you can anticipate. You know, we're not acting on perfect information. But I think what we've come to realize is that things that we're not expecting, things that we're not aware might occur, tend to occur. And so physical gold does a really good job of protecting people's wealth during times of uncertainty, whether or not it's predicted or not, because it's physical, it's tangible, which means that you can see it and you've got complete autonomy. You control your investment. You're not having to rely on a counterparty. So, for example, during times of rampant um, inflation or a recessionary environment or during you know, a, 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 an environment whereby we're seeing more businesses close every week than we saw back in 2008, people are starting to lose faith in counterparties. How safe is my money? If I can't see it and I can't touch it, how, how am I able to, to get access to it? You know, we've seen all sorts of funds over the past, you know, the Woodford Fund and others whereby people have tried to get money out quickly because they've seen the writing on the wall, only to be blocked by the fund saying, actually, you know, we're not allowing you to redeem your investment. Um, and so, you know, being able to have something that is physical and tangible, something that you're not having to rely on a county for a counterparty for is really, really important um, because you're not having to rely on anyone else. You know, there's no guarantees with anything. You know, you go to bed at night and there's no guarantee over what the gold is going to be worth in the morning. But what you can guarantee is that it will be there. Right. And so when we're talking about equities or investments in other businesses, you can't make such a guarantee because the value of those investments can go to zero and therefore distinguish themselves. Whereas physical gold, it has an intrinsic value. 
right? It's impossible for it to go below zero. It's very difficult for it to go below the cost of getting it out of the ground and the logistical cost of getting it from the mine to the refinery, to the mint and to our customers' hands. And so, you know, going back to you asking, you know, why is this so important? I guess there's almost a muscle memory whereby during every single recession that we've ever seen during mankind, bar none, we've seen gold step in as a means of protection. And the symptom of that is that the gold price will go up, whereas commonly held assets like equities and property and demand for bonds go down. So there's a there's a very strong correlation between those two asset classes, a yin and a yang, if you like. Um, the example that I often give with inflation, um, and if we take into account that the true definition of inflation is the rise in costs of commodities and services. And so by its very definition, gold is included within it. And um, back in 1920, an ounce of gold um, and a 20 pound note was worth exactly the same. You know, both could afford, you know, a man or a lady, a handmade suit. And if we fast forward to today's um, to, to today's times, effectively, that 20 pound isn't enough to purchase um, the necktie for that suit. Right. Um, but the ounce of gold is worth roughly over 1600 pounds per ounce. And so whether or not you look at the fact that gold has increased by 11000 percent, or whether or not you look at the fact that gold has outperformed inflation, the key here is that, you know, on the one side of things, it's just numbers. And numbers mean nothing in relation to the things that you want to use those numbers for. You know, we're not here to just kind of accumulate wealth and not use it for certain things, even if we plan on giving it to our family members. And so it has to be pegged to the things that we purchase. So at the very least, you want to ensure that it meets um, it meets the rising costs of those goods and services, or it outperforms it. And gold has that track record of doing that. Thank you, Josh. And I think your point uh, to, to link in with what Sam said at the beginning, you know, the, the last few years has really, I think, caused a lot of people to reconsider their choices financially. And what, what it means is there's a whole new uh, investor class, I think, entering to the market. And again, we're seeing recessionary indicators, and people are becoming aware, more and more aware that holding your money in cash in, in bank accounts and savings accounts uh, is 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 going to eventually erode your money because of the inflation, and that, that that's true over time. Um, but turning to something like gold as a physical asset is 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 certainly something that is very appealing to a lot of people. We, this has been one of the most requested topics that we've we've had. Um, but people had lots of different experiences when it comes to actually engaging with gold as an asset. You know, it's you get very mixed experiences if you go to kind of your bullion dealers. It's 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 kind of confusing to people because it's very easy to go to a bank and deposit your cash into a bank. Uh, you know whether you do that physically in a branch, you know like, like the old days, or you you uh, you do it digitally. So when it comes to gold, you know how do people access gold? And is is it a simple process? Is it open to everyone? Could you tell us a little bit about how people can engage with gold as a as a as a class as an investment class? Sure. So I'm going to I'm going to explain that. I just want to kind of bring you up on one thing, and I think you're correct in terms of depositing money in bank accounts used to be straightforward, but actually nowadays setting up a bank account can take the best part of six to eight weeks. 
Um, My wife had to set up a bank account for her business and it took around eight weeks um, for them to verify everything they needed to verify. Um, If you ever decide to take cash into a bank to deposit for whatever reason, you know, they'll ask you a million and one questions. And in a way, you are deemed guilty until they can prove you innocent, until you can prove yourself innocent. And so there is a a general kind of, um, there's a general stigma attached to depositing cash in bank accounts these days. And so, yeah, you know, well, Josh, going... actually, can I uh, can I add to that? Because we, we've been talking about crypto and Bitcoin recently. And, you know, it's it's becoming increasingly hard for the average retail investor to actually take money from their bank account and put it into crypto, whereas the big institutions and the, and the banks are able to do that. You know, they're shoring up their their their, their balance sheets with with Bitcoin and other digital assets. And, and also gold. So actually, it, it might be interesting to explore this first before we come to the retail investor, because it's clear right now as well that central banks are stockpiling gold. You know, so that to me, again, to, to the opening point around behaviors, around why why people are hedging against, why people should hedge against inflation. Again, it's it's often interesting to look at what the big players are doing. And, and it seems like institutions and central banks themselves are stockpiling gold right now. Could you comment on you know, why that's happening and, you know, you know, what impact that's having on the markets. Well, central banks have, central bank gold purchases have increased by 150% um, over the last um, 12 months. And so most central banks are duty bound to purchase their own government debt in order to support the currency in which they are providing to the market. The problem with that is that a lot of these central banks were buying these um, government bonds when interest rates were on the floor, which means that as interest rates have now started to go up, there is a deficit between what they paid for those bonds and what they're getting back. And so they're starting the day in negative territory. Their other exposure, of course, is their own currency. There's massive volatility in the market, especially at the moment, the unpredictability and the volatility with everything that we're seeing from war to fiscal uncertainty to not knowing who's going to be ruling our country or the European Union or other states, you know, in the next couple of years, this provides all sorts of volatility for the market and therefore currency. And so historically, the dollar was a safe haven um, relative to um, other currencies around the world. That being said, you know, if we expect the dollar to lose value, which is what we've seen over the last eight weeks. And as a symptom of that, the gold price increases. Central banks, just like, you know, normal banks, investment banks and individuals like me or you, they're going to want to ensure that their wealth doesn't start to erode with the arbitrary volatility of exchange rates. And so that's why you see every single central bank around the world are net purchases of physical gold. Throughout history, what you will see is you will see buyers and you will see sellers because in order for you to actually buy, someone else has to sell. And what tends to happen is central banks tend to purchase from other central banks. But at the moment, what we're seeing is that the majority of central banks across the world are all net purchases. And so if we accept that actually, there's only a limited amount of physical gold in the world, and all the central banks are purchasing, and not many of them are selling. You know, that's a precursor to those people that are looking at gold for growth. 
Now, the majority of our clients look, look to gold for safety, security and wealth preservation with, with growth being, you know, the icing on the cake, the cherry. Um, obviously, they're not going to do something whereby they're going to expect a fall in value. But going back to your question, you know, central banks, they need to hold physical gold to maintain the wealth um, within their country. And actually, you know, this isn't something that's new. This, this predates us as humans. It's gone back hundreds of years and it's always been the case. Now, if we look at investment banks, and this is really interesting because investment banks, they are duty bound to hold a certain amount of regulatory capital on their balance sheet. We all know what happened in 2008 with Lehman Brothers and some of the other banks. And, you know, we can make it as complicated as we want to make it. But if we if we try and simplify everything, it came down to they didn't have enough money on their balance sheet to satisfy the amount of people that wanted their money back. Right. There are lots of reasons as to why that was the case. But the crux of it was there wasn't enough money there. Could there be enough money there? Probably. You know, if they had if they had time to unwind investments. But it was a simple question of timing. And so after that, they they um refined Basel three, which was the um, the market's obligation to hold a certain amount of money on their balance sheet. And the way in which money or liquidity is defined within Basel three is either they hold cash. And if they hold cash, essentially what they're holding is a devaluating asset, right, which falls in value. And so they're paying the price they're paying for complying with Basel three and having the, the liquidity is a guaranteed loss to inflation by holding on to cash that they can't lend out. And so the obvious example, the obvious alternative is for them to hold physical gold. And that, that's why we see the likes of HSBC, Barclays, um, a lot of the other hedge funds out there holding more gold than they've ever done over the last 10 or 20 years. Yes, Sam, do you want to come in here and, and, and comment? Yeah, uh, well, I think it's it's what you've both covered there is really important. It's what we've been talking about, Dan, you know, over the last few months is that what we're seeing is the big boys doing one thing, telling you to do another or actually stopping you doing another. So, you know, really putting barriers to the man in the street, the retail investor, whatever label you want to use, you know, from moving out the fiat system into other asset classes that will hold their value and potentially have growth over time. Whereas that's exactly what they're doing. And I, you know, I always hark back to the story, you know, and I'm sure you touch on it with people, Josh, is the, you know, the real pivotal time where Nixon took, you know, the dollar off the gold standard. Because Ray Dalio tells a great story that, you know, he was an early trader. He's a huge, you know, hedge fund manager today, very successful one. There was a real wake up to call to him as a, as a 21 year old trader that he saw the smart money move to the asset side of the equation as soon as that happened. And this is what the smart money, I don't like using those words because sometimes it's, you know, we, We've not been educated about money and assets on purpose. So I don't blame anybody, but, you know, we look at that kind of the people who are clued up, educated, have always moved their value, shifted their liquidity, depending on what's going on. And the obfuscation and the lack of education meant that the man in the street has not been educated on that fact. They're feeling very safe in fiat currency because of what they know, but they don't understand the chart they're in. You know, so I often talk to people, you know, Josh, and people are scared of the volatility of asset classes, whatever they may be even the volatility of gold and silver, even though it's not as volatile as many others, that still scares them because they don't understand the chart they're actually sat in. 
that fiat yeah. chart, which is, you know, one of the worst charts to ever look at. Yeah. So it's really important to understand that the smart money has always been doing this and has always been able to hedge and protect their wealth. Yeah. And that's where really, you know, we want to get a more level playing field of, through education that people understand that because the fear is from not understanding people stay in an asset class, feel a bit safe because it's the better the devil they know or they, they think they understand it. It's an illusion, actually. But actually, that's stopping them from protecting their wealth and, and potentially growing over time. So these these are really important tenets that you know are important to demystify, and I'm I'm, I'm glad that's what we're doing. And, and it needs it needs to be cleared up for so many people because yeah. people are being robbed by stealth, sitting in fear, and moving into asset classes despite the volatility is the way to protect your value and store your value over time. Yeah, to add another layer to that, you know, it, it's well documented that during times of recession, you know, more millionaires and billionaires are created than any other time. You know, new businesses emerge during this time. There's great mergers and acquisitions. And, you know, it's it's the, the term smart money used to Sam. You know, it, it's the people who know how to navigate and orientate during times like this that prosper the most. But what we're trying to do is obviously liberate this kind of financial education so that people can make informed decisions mm -hmm. so they know the chart that they're in uh, yep. but beyond that they can also understand the importance of diversification and what kind of asset classes can can be looked at during times like this so uh, i'd be interested to come back to you now josh you know we, we talked about this sort of time and how high net worth individuals are able to navigate this they, they they've never seen it before and they've, they've got the, uh, the understanding how how can ordinary people start to understand more about how to navigate this time when it comes to, to gold? Well, I just want to pick up on one thing you mentioned about education, because I think actually everything is underpinned with knowledge. The more you know, the more power you have over your own situation. And I think this is something that I've always thought about. The market, equity market, and most markets, they're cyclical. And by their very nature, we know they go up and then they come down. And that happens around every nine or 10 years or so. And so what you tend to have is people will ride that growth and then all of a sudden it will crash and then they will basically, you know, they'll ride the, the slide all the way down back to, you know, the bottom again. And they continue to make these mistakes over and over and over again. And it baffles me because the markets are cyclical. It doesn't take us by surprise. People invest in markets because there's that volatility. You know, if it was if it was static, where would, there wouldn't be any opportunity. And so. Is this is this an edu is this an intelligence issue? I don't think it is. You know, we, we have a lot of a lot of our clients who are doctors, engineers, professors. Um, we've got some of the some of the most clever people of society, but they spend their time um, revolutionizing and innovating their own field. And when it comes to things like money. They delegate that responsibility to other people like financial advisors, like banks. And the problem with that is banks and IFAs are almost certainly influenced by self-interest and there's a huge amount of conflict. So one, one IFA will say one thing and another IFA will say another. And the problem is that people seem to think that IFAs, and, and I've just got to add, there's nothing wrong with IFAs, right? You know, everyone needs advice, um, but the system in itself, I believe, is undermined owing to the fact that IFAs are remunerated um, as a product of assets under management. So if you were to ask someone, um, what is your IFA's job? They would say, well, to help me grow my portfolio. The better question to ask is, 
if that IFA were to go home and explain what they do to their family, they would explain to their family, my job is to go out there and to win as many clients as possible and to get them to put as much money as possible into the market, right? And they will earn roughly, you know, 1% on the value of what is invested. And so if let's say for supposition 2008, you know, we can see the writing on the wall, the markets are dropping, you know, how many people got a call from their IFA or their bank manager to say, listen, things are looking, things are looking choppy. My suggestion to you would be for you to pull out the market temporarily, possibly for the next kind of 12 to 15 months or so, and buy back in when things are a little bit more settled and there's more opportunity that you can take advantage of as a result of the market falling. Those conversations didn't take place because for those conversations to take place, effectively, those IFAs are taking food off their table. And it's not their fault, it's just the way that the, it's the, way the system works. And I think when you're looking at wealthy people um, and people that, when you're looking at wealthy people or sophisticated investors, they're not necessarily influenced by the same factors that other less informed people are, are influenced by. And what I mean by that is um, wealthy people are influenced by value, not price. Price is what you pay and value is what you get. The second thing is that wealthy people understand that risk and reward is joined at the hip. There's no such thing as a reward without a risk, but you can almost certainly take a risk with no reward, right? And that's why we take into account timing. Everything boils down to timing. You mentioned before, the rich can get richer in times of uncertainty. Absolutely. You know, the rich relish opportunities like the ones that we're in today. And that's because they have the ability to not rush in and jump into the wrong decision. Inflation has basically put a catalyst onto that decision making process because every headline that we see says inflation's at 9%, inflation's at 7%. Actually, if we use this, if we use this measure of inflation, inflation is really at 14%. And so what's happening is people are starting to think, I've got £100,000 in my bank account. Every year, that's dropping in value. You know, electricity is going up in value. My mortgage costs are quadrupling in value. I have to do something. And so that urgency creates pressure. And that pressure results in people making decisions that tend to be the wrong decisions. And the wealthy, they're not influenced in the same way as the rest of the market. And so the biggest question that we're asked at the moment is with all of this uncertainty, with all of this unpredictability, with everything changing from day to day, what on earth do I do? What do I do with my money? And it's, it's one of the, the most common questions that we get. And we service, should I add, sophisticated investors, we deal with investment bankers, accountants and lawyers, but we also work with everyday people. You know, we work with bricklayers, we deal with milkmen, we deal with postmen, we deal with engineers, teachers. We've even had celebrities and lottery winners before. Everyone's really different. Everyone has different objectives. But the one common denominator is that right now, everyone seems to be baffled with what to do. And I think before anyone rushes in and says, actually, it's one asset class over another. 
um, one has to look at the the spectrum of what's available to them so that by process of elimination, they're left with something that makes sense to them. And so, as I said before, IFAs are influenced by self-interest. People like me are influenced by self-interest. It's impossible for anyone not to be. And so it's important that people kind of are able to look at all of the asset classes for themselves and make their decision relatively. And so, you know, we look at equities. A lot of our clients are very excited for the opportunities that might exist within the equity market, given that we've seen a 30% fall in NatWest shares. We've seen a massive fall in the value of Metro shares. Banking shares as a whole are falling in value. Is that an opportunity? Possibly. Is it right to strike right now? Right now? Probably not, just because it was only yesterday that there was an article released that says we are going to see more a heightened recession by the end of the year. Um, and so we, put, we, we move from equities onto cash. Um, and cash gives you that flexibility, um, but it's a guaranteed loss to purchasing power. And then you've got the counterparty risk of the bank. If it goes under, you've got more than 85,000. Are you covered? No. If you've got less than 85,000 and more than one bank goes under, are you covered? Academically, yes. Practically, no one knows. You know, are we willing to take that risk? So we move on to bonds and bonds, you know, you're locked into something that might provide more of a yield than cash, but it is a guaranteed loss to purchasing power for an escalating amount of risk for something that you're tied into, which means that if your objective is to pick up opportunities as they as they come across, you lose that flexibility by being in a bond. Now, property is a great asset class. It's one that I can really get behind because essentially, if you look at property over the last 100 years, it's only gone one way. You can use it. You know, it's fungible. Properties are unique. You know, what, what, what's attached to it is a certain amount of emotional um, decision making. And so if you have bricks and mortar, it's physical, it's tangible. You can control it. You're not reliant necessarily and within reason to third parties. but the cost of debt is increasing by 400%. Most people I know have a mortgage. Most people I know are very worried about the fact they're having to pay 400% more on their mortgages when their fixed term ends. It's a big thing. So either you compromise on your living standards and you decide to go on less holidays, take your kids out of the school they're in, you know, purchase less things, which drags the growth of the economy down, or you decide, I don't want to compromise on our quality of living, we're going to downsize, we're going to sell our house, we're going to move to another area. And that creates an oversupply of property, which therefore provides a correction with the property market. Now, a lot of people I know are very excited about that. More people are very worried about that. It depends on how you're looking at it. You know, if you're in, if you're in the market to buy something and you've decided to kind of remove exposure to property, it's perfect. You're going to be waiting as debt increases and people can't service it property is going to become more and more obtainable. But if you're sitting, you know, if you're sitting on property and you've got high amounts of debt, then unfortunately the value of that property over the short term is going to start to become worth less and less and less. And so you're then left with a situation of, I want to wait for opportunities because they are going to come, whether or not they're in property, whether or not they are in equities, whether or not they're in cryptocurrency, right? They are going to come because every market has a time and a place. The question is, what do I do whilst I wait for those opportunities to present themselves? 
you know, there's passive weighting, which is leaving your money in cash. And we've already explored the pros and cons of that. And then there's active weighting. And active weighting is what the smart money would refer to as putting your money in something that is physical, something that is tangible, something that outperforms inflation, removes counterparty risk, provides you with privacy, tax advantages, growth when other commonly, commonly held assets like equities and property fall in value. But most importantly, the liquidity to sell quickly when you need to, to convert into any currency so that you can take advantage of those opportunities as they arise. Is so important, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, this is such. There's so many variables here as well. The 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 layer over people's decision making, their stage of life, um, their personal goals, financial aspirations. But what you've laid out there, Josh, I think is very powerful because it it enables people to see in the broader horizon of the situation we find ourselves in now, and therefore able to make uh, informed decisions because it is important to know where the whole market is. And a lot of people don't have that kind of holistic view. And, and by looking broadly, and of course, you mentioned bonds, you know, a lot of our audience are very skeptical and of, of government <laughs> and actually placing funds into, into government bonds right now, even if they offered slightly higher returns than usual, maybe a less favorable choice for other reasons. Um, uh, so now people are looking for that that safety net, but also I love the term active waiting. You know, it's 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 important because it, it creates an activation. Um, and I think for a lot of people now, I think people are still holding, it's kind of my experience of working in financial services during the last major recession in 08. It, it kind of creates this rabbit in the headlights, fight or flight type behavior, which you mentioned earlier on, where you, you lead to making poor decisions. And my experience working with business leaders during that time was, the ones that kept their head above water, they were able to anticipate the road ahead, course correct, make different decisions. They were the ones that survived that last recession and not only survived it, they thrived beyond that. They really grew. Whereas the ones that kind of buried their head under the sand, they were the ones that failed to understand the changing territory. They, 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 they didn't course correct. They didn't pivot. Uh, you know, so they weren't even, you know, they weren't even waiting. They were, they were suffering because of their uh, failure to take stock of what's happening. And so, this is why with this show, we really want to take that broader view so people can understand the macro uh, economics of the situation, but also not just understand, become aware of the, the solutions and the opportunities that are available. So Sam, Sam, would you like to add anything before we, we, we continue? Yeah, there's, there's two real critical words that, that Josh um, mentioned that really, really I wanted to expand on, which was um, cyclical, things are cyclical, and value, talking about value. And exactly that, Josh, that, you know, People almost just don't understand the market cycles, don't understand that there are cycles and don't understand that things are undervalued and overvalued. And that's where the smart money, again, is understanding opportunities buying it when things are undervalued and selling them off when they're overvalued. And again, maybe sit on the sidelines. So understanding that and you don't have to have the deep, deep understanding, but just getting those basics in really changes one's relationship with asset classes. You know, I talk a lot about Bitcoin and work a lot of people on Bitcoin until they've understood those cycles. They just hear about the volatility and they don't understand why. But they can understand sometimes it's, you know, overbought, overvalued, under, you know, oversold, undervalued. And in the middle there, there's a growth curve and that can change your relationship with an asset. So that's really important. And, and I think, you know, somebody with no financial education can have this idea of just the word financial crash is just bandied around. And all that kind of feels people is that everything's just going to disappear. Whereas, as we know, when you hear those headlines of, you know, 100 billion wiped off this market, 
it didn't disappear, it moved. And so understand that liquidity is always moving. And if you can also move your liquidity and your value, you also can pivot. And as Dan said there, the danger is they want people in, in action, fear, not educated, paralyzed, not knowing what to do. Whereas people have understood that have always been able to do, do well. I think that's what's really critical. And that's why underpinning education about it changed it. Because then, as you said there, again, that description of the IFA's role versus being the captain of your own ship is so different. And Dan, we discussed it yesterday when we, we caught up that what does financial freedom mean? Some people just use that term and think that just means I'm free of ever having to worry about money. But for us, there's a bigger nuance to financial. Financial freedom for us is more financially free of other people's agendas, interests, to make your own decisions. And, th and the baseline to be able to do that is absolutely education. And exactly as you said there, Josh, education about all the different options that exist, gold being one of them, crypto, and the different roles they can play and how they fit into where you are. And I think that's why I love these discussions because we're, we're, we're building a bigger picture and knowing that actually a lot of people are, are so obsessed by, by you know, being enthralled to the manipulation, angry about it, but actually with your good, good education, you can take good moves, even in manipulated markets, even with big players and whales, crypto, you can make good moves. But what gets you there and, and that ability is your own education. So that's what underpins it all. And so I'm, I'm really glad you brought up cycles, particularly because I'm very passionate about talking about market cycles and the bigger cycles, even and the confluence of cycles we're having at the moment, why it's such volatile times and interesting times. And I think understanding that can give you a much better idea of where you are. Because we always say it down the way, if you, if you don't know where you are, how can you navigate anywhere? The first step is know where you are and know where those asset classes are in their own cycles. And, and then, then you can see opportunity, not just for protection, but also opportunity for growth. And so this is a really interesting time to get educated about the problems in the old system, but also where you can go from here and look at opportunities and, and look at in that mindset. And, and that can move you out of fear into, into actually positive proactive action and we always know that we're we do better whatever we're doing when we're out of fear you know so yeah i'm glad you brought up those two words it really 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 struck a chord with me yeah just to add another layer to that as well so the, the difficulty with this is in terms of education there's, there's, there's a paradox to it in that there is now so much information in the world that we're kind of drowning in information but starving for the wisdom so it's actually being able to get through this complex information ecosystem to actually become truly informed and to, to, to really understand not only where we are, but where you are as an individual. And, you know, Josh touched on it earlier. The, the reality is no matter what profession you're in, the life you lead, you know, I'm a new father, brings a whole new level of complexity, um, beautiful complexity. <laughs> I wouldn't change it for the world. But at the same time, our focus is, you know, focused on certain, certain things. And in a world where now, you know, we live in a 24-7 news cycle, digital media, there is more and more information out there, as I mentioned, and, and people are kind of paying attention to all these different things. And therefore, it's actually easy to miss the bigger picture cycles. And, you know, Ray Dalio mentioned him early on, one of his greatest strengths is his awareness of those macro cycles. You know, that's how they've become one of the biggest fund managers, asset managers in the world, because they're able to predict with reasonable certainty, okay, it's not necessarily easy to get the timing exactly right, but you can kind of see the trends and where things are going. And those big market cycles you touched upon, Sam, there are so many cycles now that we can start to witness if we zoom out far enough, because people tend to be too far zoomed in to, and, and therefore they miss the bigger picture. And 
that's why people jolt when there's certain price movements in the market because they're not looking at the, the broader trend. I mean, if you're looking at a daily chart of crypto, you know, it looks crazy. But if you zoom out, you can see the bigger picture. And I'm, I'm sure it's it's the same with, with gold and, and precious metals, Josh. You know? So, uh, you know, would you like to pick up the thread from, from, from what Sam and I have just uh, overlaid here, Josh? Yeah, you know, first of all, our clients and us, we never look at the gold price in isolation. It's always going to be relative to our asset classes, because <clears throat> what, our, what we try and understand is where is the money coming from? Because if we can see where it's coming from, that helps us inform the trend. And so there's a, there's a very interesting graph called the Smart Money Flow Index. And what it shows us is it shows us the flow of funds out of the stock market. There's one for the S&P 500. I'm sure there's one for other asset, uh, one for other indexes as well. It's not gonna, it won't log um, high net worth individuals or sophisticated investors. We're talking about institutions, large hedge funds, large family offices. And what you can see on there is really, really interesting because sometimes when people are so focused on the price, what they do is they stay in something because the price of that asset class is continuing to go up and up and up and up, right? And then what happens is the consequence of that is they take those two steps forward, one and three quarter steps back, because we know that the market cyclical, it goes up, it comes down, and basically people play that monotonous kind of groundhog day um, approach to investing, whereby they're almost in the same position they were, you know, five or six years ago. You know, the amount of people that I spoke to that had a small amount of money, it blew up in Bitcoin. And then, you know, months later, they were back to pretty much where they were. The point I'm trying to make is that if you look at the smart money flow index, what you can see is that the smart money, they have access to um, systems and data that a lot of us aren't privy to. Right. And so whilst whilst we think it's important to sit there and study research report over you know commentary and opinion we have to accept that everything everything is influenced by self-interest the articles we read to the news reports we see to the radio programs we listen to they're all generated by self-interest and so just because this person has that opinion and that person has that opinion doesn't make it so and so it's a really dangerous thing to listen to 15 opinions to the left and 15 opinions to the right and then make your evaluation because actually all of those 30 opinions might be rubbish. But if you look at what the smart money are doing and you can see that actually as the stock market continued to go up at the end of last year, you could see the smart money in huge amounts exiting, migrating from the S&P 500. Yes, they could have stayed within the market and they could have capitalized on that extra amount of growth but actually they're playing the long game. They're not playing the short game. And so what they're doing is when they've made enough growth and they can see the fundamentals that support that we're gonna see a fall in the value of that asset class, but at the same time, they can see value in another asset class that they believe is likely to increase because of various symptoms they're already seeing. That's the point in which they start to move their money out. And if you look at the smart money flow index, you can see that money exiting from the equity markets. And then if you read things like the World Gold Council report, these are these are facts, they're not opinions. You can see that these inflows came into physical gold, right? And so the smart money started purchasing 
before the equity market started falling and before the gold price started to increase. And actually, you know, we all crave to be smarter and more knowledgeable and to have more information so that we have so we have the ability to make better decisions. But actually, sometimes it's as simple as following an aggregate of the smart money, you know, doing what they do, because actually their self-interest is to make money. And if your self-interest is to make money, then you're completely aligned. If you if you if you if you vouch for their credibility in, in, in who they are and what they've done, then why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you follow the coattails of what they're doing as opposed to reading an article whereby the author has no interest in what actually happens to the market? They've only got an interest in that person reading the article. Absolutely. And it's a classic case of, you know, follow what not people say, but what they do. And, um, you know, even and the corralling down of the influencers and the media, which, you know, again, this works for all markets, Josh, but, you know, it, you mentioned Bitcoin. It's so it's so prevalent in the crypto market and you've got a whole load of really new investors and the smart money all involved, the big boys. So, you know, they want you as your exit liquidity. They want you to come in the market at the top of a bull run and convince you it's going on forever. Get in. That's, you know, that's them that they've already started, as you know, exactly same thing the metrics show that the whales have started unloading way before that peak you know and they're looking to just drag drag retail versus in and at the other end whilst they're beginning to accumulate again they want everybody to panic sell you know do the opposite so it's a classic of you know they the herd is often doing the opposite of what the smart money is doing. and again they're using those media commentators using influencers to really accentuate that and obviously it's incredibly volatile in a small market like like bitcoin but that's happening in all markets as we know and again that's why Becoming captain of your own ship and not being, you know, corralled by uh, sentiment or media or people who've got those interests and being, you know, understanding what's going on. So you can do the same exactly that you can be buying undervalued assets and selling them when they're overvalued. Yeah, what's interesting for me coming into the you know into 2023, having experienced what we've experienced during the COVID chapter, the two asset classes I was most interested in were digitally the paradox of digital assets and physical assets together, because I'm at a stage of life where I'm looking at accumulation, but I'm also looking at preservation and diversification. So, you know, the two asset classes are really most interested in Bitcoin digital assets, but then physical gold and precious metals. So, um, and for different reasons, although actually, even though I'm looking at gold for kind of preservation and uh, to, to hold, hold the line, if you will, against potentially offsetting volatility in the kind of risk, the riskier markets like digital, I also do see the long-term growth potential of gold um, and, and the longer-term trend. So I'm curious, Josh, on your outlook for the gold markets over the longer term. You know, where, where do you think things are going to head during this particular unique time in history? Well, I, I think it's very much down to how, you know, it's very much down to how, how the market continues to move forward. And so, you know, We've got various levers that we we would rely upon for any market to either increase or decrease. And so, you know, what happens to the consequences of of the rising cost of debt, interest rates? What happens to that to to um, house prices? Um, what then happens to the people that have, have have actually you know lost money on on their property? What's going to happen to this war in the Middle East? You know, is it going to spill into Iran and Syria and Egypt, you know, and Russia, you know, the US going to supplement their ally base with with other European states, you know, how far is this going to go? How much of a ripple effect is this going to have within the markets? 
Is it something that's going to happen quickly? Is it, is it something, that's going to, is something that's going to take a while? If we look at actually the amount of money that was pumped into the money supply <clears throat> because of COVID, bounce back loans and <laughs> yes. uh, you know it's a sore subject for a lot of people at the time it seemed like such a great idea it seemed like you know it was free money given out given out um, by by the banks by the government but actually it is it, it's killed the system because so much you know such a huge injection of cash into the money supply where there was nothing really that could have been purchased other than asset classes instead of seeing you know, the rising cost of holidays or other consumer goods that people wanted to buy, they couldn't buy them, right? So what went up? Things like watches went up, right? You know, 300%, right? They've all crashed now. They've all come back down again. Equities went up. Everyone thought, well, I've got this free money. I've got 50,000 pounds. You know, all I have to do is liquidate my company. I'm not on the hook for it anymore. So what I'll do is I'll just, I'll put it into the equity market. So there was this huge influx of cash irrespective of the fundamentals of the equity market. But what it did was it created a self-fulfilling prophecy whereby everyone on the same street was doing the same thing. The market was increasing. You know, when we see, you know, a good or a service inflate in value, we call it inflation. When we see the same thing happen to asset classes, we call it a boom, right? And so the value of these asset classes started to increase. But now as, as, as society is starting to get back to normal, and, you know, unemployment is starting to increase and people are now having to pay back these bounce back loans. Um, there now is we're now starting to have to find that money again. So that money is then pulled back out of those markets. And so not only do you have, you know, the cyclical recessionary environment whereby you see every 10 years a correction in the equity market. But I believe it's compounded and it's amplified by the fact that. It was pumped full of steroids, you know, you know, as 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 COVID was ensuing. And so if we if we accept that, you know, all of these all of these conspiring factors together are going to create a sea of uncertainty moving forward and not barring any of the unforeseen unforeseen, you know, the black swans, then I think that not only has gold showed, you know, a lot of people that possibly haven't purchased it before, that it is a it has a track record. It's the perfect ambassador of safety and security in the face of adversity. People are now starting to see that based on real life events, as opposed to their grandparents telling them, you know, this is what you do if you see uncertainty. People are able to start to see that lesson for themselves. And so going back to your question, you know, what do I see in store for the gold market? There are two things. There's demand and there's price. And sometimes they're connected and sometimes they're not. Demand for physical gold, as far as where we're concerned, is the highest we have ever seen it since we've been in business. Um, and it's the highest in terms of World Gold Council reports and central bank reports. We've got central banks to institutions, to investment banks, to high net worth individuals, to people on the street purchasing physical gold, because essentially, Everyone's worried about the same thing, not knowing what tomorrow or next year or the next five or 10 years might bring. And so if that trend continues, it's an inevitability that inflation will push up the value of gold. But at the same time, it's, it's simple and basic economics. It's supply and demand. If more people are wanting something that is limited in supply, 
and less people are selling it because more people want to hold on to it, the gold price can't help but go, in, go up in value. If we also accept as well, sometimes when you mention gold as a commodity, they think of they, they think of maybe, you know, an equity or something on a computer screen that is just exposed to gold. We're talking about the physical gold bar. So when we're thinking about that commodity, where does it come from? We've got to get it out of the ground, right? So to get it out of the ground, we need energy, we need electricity, we need labor, we need machinery. The cost of all of those things have gone up, right? It's unavoidable. Inflation has pushed it up, which means the cost of us getting, it, getting that out of the ground has increased. And also accepting the fact that there's not a huge amount under the ground anyway. There's not a huge amount of people selling their gold. Logistics, um, getting gold from A to B has increased, right? Royal Mail and freight companies, uh, plane companies, not only has the cost of fuel increased to get products from A to B, but taxes and duties have increased. So, you know, the, the logistical supply of metal from the ground to the refinery, to the mints and to the consumers has increased. And the labor of everyone within that supply chain has increased. So when we get to that point where it looks like it's going to cost more money to get gold out of the ground than we're able to sell an ounce for, what happens? It doesn't make sense for anyone to partake in this game of getting gold out of the ground. People just stop doing it. So if that happens, what, what, you know, what we see is supply caps or dwindles, demand continues to go up for everything that we've discussed, and that further supports the gold price. I know I'm, ta I know I'm talking anecdotally, um, and most people want predictions and they want to know exactly within, you know, no margin of error, you know, where gold's <laughs> going to go in the next six months or a year. I can honestly tell you, I don't know. Um, I can see the trend moving upwards. You know, I don't think I'm going to get any awards for making those sorts of predictions. You do have commentators and analysts suggesting that we're going to see $3,000 an ounce, $4,000 an ounce, $5,000 an ounce. But they're just opinions. And I think, you know, because the market is so uncertain, I think it's dangerous to have any sort of foregone conclusions anywhere. I think it's important to follow the trend as opposed to the number. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Josh, yeah. because, you know, whenever you hear too much certainty, that's a red flag, either from a commentator or somebody who's in the business, that is a red flag. And, you know, part of, you know, we talk about decentralizing assets and, you know, gold's a picture of that, decentralizing and take more control. But a really key tenant, I think, in this in this new age of learning stuff and getting clear and becoming capital ownership is decentralizing your expertise. This idea of, you know, dealing with people that you resonate with who can have a holistic conversation who aren't pushing something too hard. Just as you've discussed today, we've looked at other asset classes. We're looking at the role and how it can play for you. And somebody you can resonate at that level, that's somebody you're dealing with that you, you, know, you can feel happy that, hang on, I've decentralized, I've got a relationship with this person. We can, we can discuss all these different aspects. They're not just pushing one line. I think that's the beauty of um, you know, doing that work to not be dealing with faceless companies, faceless institutions, and, and taking that, you know, their advice as rote. They, and as you said, outsourcing to these experts you've never met, you've never spoken to, bring it closer in. We do need some experts because people have got, you know, some people are almost overwhelmed by trying to be an expert in everything, but that's not necessarily your skill. But when you are looking for an expert or a mentor, I always say get somebody who you resonate with, who you can have a decent conversation with and explore those different things. And you'll get so much more of a feeling than if you're dealing with a faceless company. So that's, that's really important. And that's also why me and Dan harness these conversations and also why we're going to have the call next week to to encourage people to discuss and get all those questions asked and 
So the more you understand, the more you learn, the more empowered you are when you go into these areas that are new to you. And that's really important. Yeah, to echo that, Sam, I think, you know, we, we, you, you do see people who have absolute certainty about where markets are going to go. You know, we, we can see trends and patterns, of course, but when, when someone has an excess uncertainty, I think there's a, there's a, yes. real, there's a real warning sign there. But I, I think the only thing we can be certain about is that there is going to be greater uncertainty. You know, I think most people would agree that with, with everything that's happening, the political uncertainty, geopolitical conflicts, you know, the, 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 the challenges in the market, the business place, uncertainty is rife right now. And one thing that, you know, you mentioned the, the huge amounts of money printing during COVID, you know, for, for a lot of people, that was a, a, a kind of an awakening that the, 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 the financial system is broken. But what you didn't see during that time is people turning to physical assets like gold and metal and saying, well, that's broken. You know, no one is saying physical assets are broken. You know, yeah. it's the time tested assets that have, have served during times like this, which I think what this is why we were so pleased to bring this conversation, because it does feel like the the the, the, the indicators we can see there is rising uncertainty and, and, and that's only going to in, in, increase the kind of hysteria in the marketplace for different reasons, whether it's fear or greed, you know, these these different these kind of different barometers of the market sentiment, uh, which which can lead to ill informed decisions. So which is why we're so delighted to have you here as well, but also to partner with you and put together an investor guide so people can understand how to um, how to approach gold. Um, we'll ask you a little bit, tell us a little bit about um, the specific approach that you take, Josh, because you're specializing in physical gold. We've talked today about physical um, metals. And, and next week, when we when we have the call, we'll also be talking about the differences between physical gold and paper gold, digital gold, etc. Um, but we put together an investor guide with you, which you can find at weareelevate.org forward slash gold. Uh, that's weareelevate.org forward slash gold where you'll find our investor guide, which will show you uh, all the different ways to consider this. And Sam, you talked about trusted experts. Um, we, we'll, we'll ask Josh to share this in a moment, but that ability to have a consultation with the company to explore your circumstances, I think is so, so valuable. So Josh, um, tell us about the approach that you've taken with the Pure Gold Company and, and, and how you work and, and why you've chosen to specialize in the way that you have. Well, I think it's important to say that we're, we're not trying to be all things to everyone. You know, we provide a premium service, <clears throat> a consultative service um, to people that are looking to spend £10,000 or more. And so when I say consultative, you know, it's really important that we provide a safe place for people to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and also in many respects, when to do it. You know, we can often see opportunities within the market. It's not because we have a crystal ball, it's because if we see that there's going to be an announcement in the next few days, and we believe that as a result of that, the gold price is going to drop in value temporarily, we might say, you know, hold off for a few days because you might be able to purchase more gold for less money. Um, you know, if on the other hand, we see the gold price increasing, uh, we can also communicate that. And so having this interactive rapport whereby we'll provide as, as much information as we can but short of that we provide a safe place for, for, for clients and users to ask questions with no obligation to purchase i must say you know some people don't end up purchasing either because it's not right today or or you know it's not for them you know we never recommend that people borrow money to purchase physical gold because it undermines the point of protection and so if you're going to go out there and spend six percent on borrowing money from Sainsbury's to put into gold our personal guidance would be that doesn't make sense obviously we're still going to help people but you know our business is based on our reputation 
And because we get to speak to every one of our clients, we've become really useful for the media because we're able to give them and, and people like you qualitative data, you know, emotional reasons as to why people are doing what they're doing. You know, yes, we have our facts and we have our figures, but if we can actually start to glean the underlying motivations as to why people are worried about um, interest rates and why people are worried about um, debt and, you know, what's happening within the the, the uh, fiscal system, what's happening with regards to the war, what they're thinking about right now, because these thoughts, they 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 are a prelude to those facts and figures. And so those those thoughts and those thoughts create the preemption of trends that we're able to help convey to other clients looking to get started. So we can kind of relate. We can relate people's uh, you know, emotional um, objectives. Now, when it comes to the process, it's simple and it's straightforward. Now, once people feel comfortable with the idea of protecting wealth and protecting asset classes, what they need to understand is that they're not investing in something. You're not, they're not necessarily buying something. You know, you said something before, Dan, whereby, uh, sorry, it was you, Sam, where, you know, when, when, when we see a 300 uh, billion, uh, $300 trillion uh, being wiped off the stock market, it's not that it, it disappears, it's, it, it, it's moved. And it works in exactly the same way. People who purchase physical gold are simply moving wealth sideways from an area whereby it might be exposed and lack the protection into something that is physical, something that is tangible, something that has that track record. Most importantly, physical gold that they purchase is completely liquid. So, you know, gold is one of the most recognized forms of currency anywhere in the world. You could take your gold to any country that you've ever been to and you would be able to convert it into that currency. That's really important. We offer a buyback guarantee to our clients. And we do that because we want to provide a guaranteed means of instant liquidity. If clients are looking to take advantage of other, of other opportunities, whilst they can still explore the entire market for the best possible price, we give them that peace of mind so they know that they can take advantage of other opportunities quickly um, and effectively and efficiently. And so the buyback guarantee, the consultative service, the fact that we provide certificates of authenticity, they're unique to our, to, to our company in the way that we do it. And so we like to give a premium service. For that reason, we can't give it to the entire market. And for that reason, we do impose a minimum starter position. When it comes to deciding what you want to purchase, we like to keep things really simple and really straightforward. Yes, there are pros and there are cons of certain types of products, but if we keep it simple, certain UK legal, uh, certain UK gold coins um, are completely tax-free in terms of their tax status. So in the same way as people would put money into an ISA and not expect to pay any tax whatsoever on the growth, you've got that with physical gold, UK gold coins, uh, except there's no restrictions. So you can put in millions and the other benefit is you're not exposed to a counterparty like a bank. You can either have to, you can either have that metal delivered to you at home, or you can have it stored in a vault that's fully insured um, by the Lloyds of London. And so that's if you're looking to purchase physical gold outside of a pension or a SIP. I mentioned those two words because it's another product that we offer. 
because of the auto enrollment within this country, most people that work have pensions if they've decided to opt in. This is a huge area for everyone. And the problem with, with pensions before the annuity was uh, abolished um, was that it didn't really make a difference if the value of someone's pension dropped by 20%. Because let's say someone has a £300,000 pension, and that means they're going to get £2,000 per month as an annuity when they get to retirement age. You know, that therefore then turns into, you know, uh, 1,600. Is it the end of the world? It's annoying. It's not the end of the world. But if someone's £300,000 pension turns into £200,000, you feel that. And so the fact that people have a lot more control over their pension, i.e. when they get to retirement age, they can then they can draw all of that money for the entire benefit of themselves. They can use that money to do something else with. We've seen a huge increase in the amount of people that have decided to take exposure away from equities, bonds and cash within pensions and SIPs and purchase physical gold bars within the same vehicle. So it's something that we do. It's a really great product of ours. Um, we work with a number of different SIP providers. I mean, we don't work with them, but they have approved us as product providers. Um, and so process is really simple and straightforward. And really, it's exactly the same principle. You know, removing exposure to an asset class that you see is riddled with risks and uncertainty, taking refuge in something that, that is undervalued and is going to present safety and security. Now, as of when you start to see opportunities in other areas, that's when you might decide to move sideways again. So instead of, you know, instead of, you know, dancing this dance of two steps forward, one and a half steps back, you know, you're doing what the smart money's doing. It's two steps forward, then a, side, a, a step sideways, and then two steps forward. And if you can continue, if you can follow what the smart money are doing, then I think you've got, nothing's ever guaranteed, but you've got a better chance of being able to ride the cyclical cycles of different asset classes as opposed to just one. Yes, thank you, Josh. That's such a powerful overview. And I think Undoubtedly, with a conversation like this, if people are looking at gold for the first time, there's going to be lots of questions. But for people who have been considering gold, uh, like myself, you know, it's 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 great to hear there's that consultative service. And of course, we've we've got the link there for you. We are elevate.org forward slash gold. That will take you directly to our um, our partner page with the Pure Gold Company, so you can find out more about how to um, to get that advice if you if you're a qualifying customer based upon what Joshua has outlined. And for those of you who have more questions, inevitably, you know, my mind is full of questions. I want to learn more about the different types of gold, you know, gold bars versus coins. I want to learn about, you know, various different things and, you know, to learn more about the pensions and such. So we've, what we've done is we've put together a special community event where you can come and have those questions answered. So if you're at the point where you're ready to find out directly more about gold, you can go to weareelevate.org forward slash gold. But if you'd like to have the chance to have your questions answered by uh, Joshua's team, then you can come to weareelevate.org forward slash NFR gold, that's forward slash NFR gold, where you can join our special event where you'll have the opportunity to ask questions. Uh, Sam, we're almost out of time now, but do you have any closing comments to, to add to today's discussion or final thoughts? No, like you said, it's, it's like these, there's so many more questions, but that's why it's great. We've got the follow up and we can get in there. And again, that's what we're passionate about, having a dialogue direct with the team, getting your questions answered. You know, getting a dialogue between people is so important. But yeah, I'd underline how, you know, embracing the uncertainty, you know, at a certain level of asset classes is important 
but you understand they have strong fundamentals. So I think that's the point that people feel the illusion of sat in fiat currency without understanding. The more people understand that actually what chart they're in with no upside, you know, and, and so there are broader strokes that we can be very clear about. No one's going to predict exact price or exact moves, but you understand that the very the trends are very simple to see and they are very strong. The fundamental pros and cons, which we always underline, once you've got that in place, you can move with much more peace of mind rather than feeling like you're moving out of cash, which is not a straight line into a volatile asset. You're understanding you know, the realities of that. And it's a, it's a whole different position. So I really encourage this education. I'm glad and hope we've, we've clarified things further for people. And yeah, if you want to go further, you know, you'd be great to join us next week and, and get into the minutiae of the questions again we can discuss more about other metals, silver as well, where that's positioned and how you're seeing demand for that, Josh. And, and also I'm sure you're seeing an up, up, uptick in people wanting self-custody because that's a real aspect of taking control. So those are all the things we're going to explore in more depth and um, yeah, really enjoyed the conversation and again, demystifying things so we can all get clearer. Yeah, Josh, lastly, any closing thoughts from yourself or final reflections before we wrap up today's episode? Well, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how this was perceived by, by your audience and answering any questions that they have. What I would say is the community is a perfect place to bring your questions, however detailed, however simple, straightforward. If time cannot wait, and if you are urgent to ask questions or to get started or to speak to us, um, you know, follow the link um, at the bottom of the, the bio. Um, you can book in a consultation with one of our brokers. You can download an investor guide to find out more information. As I've said before, knowledge is power. You know, it might make sense for you to come to, to attend the community with a little bit more information so that you've got the ability to ask more questions and more insightful, more insightful questions. Absolutely. And if you're watching this, you know, way after the session on November the 8th, then the opportunity to put that call there with uh, the Pure Gold Company is also there. So do look at the links in the, in the bio. You'll find out more there. Um, Josh, this has been such an empowering conversation. You know, that's well and truly our intention for these types of discussions is to help people to to get really qualified in, uh, information to help navigate this changing world that we're in to make informed decisions that can impact the quality of their own financial future. So thank you so much again for being with us today. Thank you for everything you're doing. And thank you to Sam, my co-host today on the uh, Uncharted Territory podcast. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. So reminder, there's two links for you. If you're interested to find out more about the Pure uh, Gold Company, go to weareelevate.org forward slash gold. And if you'd like to join our special event, it's weareelevate.org forward slash NFR gold. Thanks again. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Uncharted Territory podcast. Thanks for having me.